What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Han Talks First. It's been a while. It's been a long while, actually. It's been a couple weeks. I almost forgot how to do this show. I almost forgot how to do a podcast. I forgot how to stream. I don't know why an accent came out, but welcome. Welcome back to the show. It might be a little rusty because it's my first day back in a long time. Part of the reason why I took some time off was because there was nothing going on in the Star Wars world, there was no news, there was no movement on properties and things like that. And then out of nowhere, the second week that I was busy and I couldn't do the show, tons of stuff came out. You know, we had trailers for KOTOR, we had uh, movie announcements, trailer, uh, TV announcements, uh, quotes from the actors and people, like tons of stuff happening. And I finally, now I get a chance to catch up with everything. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about today and on Monday's show I'm sorry, Sunday show may seem a little redundant and stuff you already know, but at least you'll get to hear my perspective on it. And anyway, so today is not a standard Han Talks First episode. Today, I'm just going to be talking about a little bit of the news and then mostly about my experience at Galaxy's Edge last week, which was, or over the weekend, which was, which was really great. A lot different than my first experience that I had, which was a little disappointing but I got some cool stuff that I'm going to share and some cool videos I'll show you and other stories to tell. Now, if you're new to the show, welcome for a Star Wars show, Star Wars podcast, talk about everything going on in the Star Wars world. And we usually do it every week. Like I said, I just took a little bit of a break. I was very busy, but welcome to Han Talks First. I am Han, the captain of the Falcon. And feel free to subscribe to the YouTube if you miss an episode. Tons of fun videos about to come out too. And on the podcast, follow, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you want to do. So you never miss an episode going forward. And if you know, if you like the show and you want to support us on a monetary level, there is a tipping option. You can go to streamelements.com slash first slash tip, where you can send in your questions that we will use as main topics on the show, and you can support us. You don't have to, of course, if you want to talk to me anyway, you sure can. I am at First on all social media. So that is it for that stuff today. Let me get my show notes up, which is funny. I didn't even have them up. That's how rough this show is going to be today. And for those of you who don't know, and you're listening on the audio platform, we do this live. Uh, this isn't edited, uh, so it may seem a little rusty, but I'm also just trying to get back into the swing of it. So let's let's start off the show by telling you what specifically we're going to talk about today. Well, as most of you know, and most of you might be thrilled about Star Wars Visions dropped this past or this week, and it dropped on Tuesday at midnight or Wednesday morning, however you look at it. And I got the chance to watch half of it. Me and Chris sat down and we watched some of the Japanese version, some of the English dub version, and we I'll share some of my thoughts right now, but I'm not going to give an overall review yet. I will do that on Sunday if I get a chance to finish the, sh- the series. But uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the audience reception from the critics as well as just regular people who have watched the show already. And I'll tell you about my trip to Galaxy's Edge. And we're going to talk about two new TV miniseries that are coming to Disney Plus that are centered around Star Wars. So let's jump into it and start talking about Visions. So I'm curious to hear from you guys. If you've seen Star Wars Visions yet, what you think of it, let me know in the comments section on social media. I really am curious about your thoughts because when the show came out, the first thing that I said to Chris was, I'm very curious to see how 
fans, how Star Wars fans react to this show and also general audiences, how they will react to Star Wars visions. Because let's face it, while this is going back to the root of things that inspired George Lucas to create Star Wars, it's still vastly different from anything we've ever seen in the Star Wars world so far. Whether you like anime or dislike it, I think we all can agree on that. And anime, if let me, I like the show so far, but let me tell you this. If I had watched this show without having any context of what anime is already or have not seen any of the television shows that Chris has introduced me to, such as My Hero Academia, Demon Slayer, um, Erased, all this kind of stuff, I would have probably not enjoyed this show. I would not have enjoyed Visions, to be honest with you. I think the animation style is beautiful. I think the storytelling is good so far. I am a little disappointed that they're really short. I was expecting longer short form narratives, but this is okay as well. Um, but there's a lot of heart in these episodes, in these stories, which I do enjoy. But the style is not for everybody. And if I had not have been introduced to anime for the past two years already, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the show. I maybe would have not even gave it time out of my day to watch it. But I did, and I'm happy I did. We're only four episodes in. And so far, so good. Like I said, we're watching like half of them in Japanese and then half of them in English. And then at some point, I'll go back through and I'll rewatch everything on both ways. But I think some of the highlight episodes so far were the twins episode, which was heavily focused on in the trailer and marketing for Star Wars Visions, which of course was done by Studio Trigger. That is a very popular anime studio at the moment. But the Twins episode was really cool. The style was beautiful and it was just visceral and very vibrant. And I feel like there was a really good story to tell. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything. So don't worry if you haven't seen the show. There's nothing to worry about. I won't spoil it. But I want more out of this storyline. And I think from reports that are coming out right now, actually, the producers of the show do want to do a season two. Now, part of that is not really newsworthy to me because, of course, a producer wants to do a season two. That means they make more money off the show. But watching some of these episodes, you realize that there kind of has to be more stories continuing on to finish and give this show a little bit of closure, especially since they're an anthology series with such a limited amount of time. It's hard to tell a full story in that amount of time. But another highlight episode for me, and which is actually my favorite episode so far, was Tatooine Rhapsody. Now, this one, honestly, was the, probably the most obscure one that I've watched so far. The one that is most, that you would think is most far from what Star Wars is, but it became what it can be. And it's about a rock band in on Tatooine who is trying to be the best band in the galaxy. And when I first heard that they were making a Star Wars Visions episode about a rock band, about a guitarist Jedi who tries to make it to the galaxy, I was like, okay, it kind of sounds up my alley, but it also doesn't because it sounds a little weird. But this one was great. Vo uh, the main character was voiced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the English dub. This one, I haven't watched the Japanese version yet, but this one was so much fun. There really wasn't much story to it, I mean, the bass player is trying to be apprehended by Jabba the Hutt. And so they have to play this song to save the galaxy and to save their friend's life. And their goal is to be the biggest rock band in the galaxy. It reminds me a little bit of Bill and Ted when they try and write this song to save the world. I never saw the movie. That's just what I hear from the trailer. So, but anyway, that's my thoughts on the first couple episodes so far. Like I said, I haven't watched everything Hopefully, me and Chris will by, by Sunday, maybe, and then we can do a full review and talk about every episode, do spoilers, all that good stuff. But until then, let me know what you guys think of Star Wars Visions. It's different. It's very different. But I think it could open doors for new types of storytelling going forward. So again, we'll talk more about that on Sunday. And the last thing I wanted to talk about with Star Wars Visions was about some of the audience response. 
So I gave you my initial thoughts on it, but I wanted to take a look over at Rotten Tomatoes real quick with you guys and talk about what the critics are saying, talk about what the audiences are saying to get a general idea of what people think of the show. So bear with me one second while I get my screen to share. Like I said, guys, it's been a while since I've done this, so it's going to take me a minute. Okay, here we go. So this is on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, again, I don't really agree with most of the scores given on Rotten Tomatoes. I find my sensibilities are opposite to whatever is put on there. But a lot of people go to this as their go-to source for finding out what they like about movies and TV shows. So Rotten Tomatoes currently has Star Wars Visions audience rating at 79%. And the critics rating is at 94%. So sounds about right. You know, typically the audiences and the critics don't always see eye to eye when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes reviews. But the critics are giving it a very high score. Now, earlier, actually yesterday, so one day ago, the audience score was at 88%. And it has dropped by, was that 9 9% already? Sitting at 79%. Now, like I said, I don't think a lot of Star Wars fans are going to even watch this show. And of course, we have to keep in mind too, Rotten Tomatoes is a certain sect of audiences that watch TV and movies. Not everybody votes on here or gives their score for things like that. But currently, critics is at 94 and audiences are at 79%. Now, I want to take a look at some of the comments that people are making and see what they're actually saying about this show. So if we look at just the basic audience, I'm sorry, critic reviews. So New York Times, for example, says that Star Wars Visions is finally more of a pleasant diversion than a really fulfilling experience isn't a factor of running time or talent. So it sounds like a positive review there. And to be honest with you, there's only two rotten reviews from critics. So we'll take a look at what they're saying too. Um, I don't know most of these places, but let's take a look at, how about a uh, slash film? Star Wars Visions ain't canon, it's heart. That's another thing people are talking about with the show is, is it canon? Is it not canon? I don't think it matters because the way Disney has approached their canon ideology ever since 2012 is canon schmanon. Nobody, they don't, they don't, continuity schmontinuity, you know. Uh, let's take a look at the AV Club. There is no shortage to the beauty that exists within Visions, offering nine unique short films presented by seven different studios, each clocking in between 13 and 22 minutes. Okay, honestly, some of these reviews are just paraphrasing what the PR statement was when the show came out. So let's take a look at the rotten ones by the critics and see what they are saying about the show. All right, so the playlist says, if Star Wars Visions does nothing else, it at least tells the story that if only in part, it's an important part. That the long time ago in the galaxy far away, maybe the Tokugawa era in federal Japan... I don't understand that one. And the last critic rotten review is, while some episodes have good elements, overall, it's just too uneven. It also doesn't feel enough like Star Wars, but kudos to Lucasfilm for trying something different. So I've heard that complaint, too, is that most people are saying this really doesn't feel like Star Wars. Um, I would actually argue that it, it does. It's just giving us a different perspective on Star Wars that we have never seen before, which is pretty cool, I think. But anyway, that's... Let's take a look at the audience reviews and see what they're saying. So some of them are saying it was great. This could make a movie slash show slash series out of every story and I'd instantly watch it. Star Wars Visions is one of the best things of the franchise we have. We needed this combination between anime and the galaxy far away. All episodes are beyond good. Let's scroll down and see a breath of fresh air. Star Wars Visions is easily the most creative thing Star Wars has done in the last couple of years with every episode having unique animation and story. Okay, here's a one star or a half star, however. If you could give this zero stars, I would. <laughs> of the nine episodes, only one is good, and that episode one. Episode seven is above average, but the other, other than that, every episode is absolute awful or worse. I do not recommend this to anyone. Just skip it and wait until the book of Boba Fett. Okay, so clearly they didn't enjoy the show either. But look. These, this is just a small group of people. Obviously, only 86 people have given their review on the show. So once it actually starts to get out to audiences and more people see it, 
we'll get a better idea of what people think of the show. But honestly, so far, I haven't seen many people talking about it. A lot of the trades are talking about Visions. Again, so far, so good for me. It's nothing. It's just casual viewing uh, for me right now. It's, it's something nice to put on in the background while you're building a Lego or you need something quick to watch, like a quick Star Wars story that has quality animation. So, so far, so good for me. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below or on social media. And that's it for Star Wars Visions. So let's jump into some news real quick. Before I tell you about Galaxy's Edge, let me tell you about what happened to me over, I'm sorry, what happened to the Star Wars world over the weekend. Sorry, like I said, it's gonna be a little rough. I'm trying to get this back together. So the, like I said, Disney Plus announced that they're going to have some new series coming to their streaming service. And some other things too, but I want to just talk about two today. And on Sunday, we're going to talk about a lot more stuff. But they announced that they're going to have a George Lucas docu-series coming to Disney Plus. And this makes me so enthralled. I cannot wait. Not only are they making a documentary TV series about George Lucas and his experience making Star Wars, but it's also going to be directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Now, if you don't, the name doesn't ring a bell. He was the writer of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. He also wrote Indiana Jones and all those movies. And he's also a great director as well. Oh, he also wrote Force Awakens and Solo. You can praise or give him hate for those, but whatever you want to do. But he's also a really good director. He directed this movie based on a Stephen King novel called Dreamcatcher. And it was weird. It was bonkers. It had Morgan Freeman, but it was, it was pretty well done. It was, very, it was very artsy for what it was. But he's a good director, nonetheless. And I think he's a great writer. He's very creative and things like that. But he's directing the documentary in George Lucas. And it gets even better. Not only is it about George Lucas, not only is Lawrence Kasdan directing it, but the person doing music is James Newton Howard. James Newton Howard is, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Uh, to remind you, if anyone who hasn't heard of me before or listened to me talk about it, I'm a musician. I I've, was recently working, last year I was working on a short film that I was scoring and I studied the music of James Newton Howard. He's done everything. He's done from kids animation to action movies, drama, thriller, everything. His score for The Interpreter, a Nicole Kidman movie, I think. No, it wasn't Nicole Kidman. Anyway, he's fantastic. And him doing the music for this is really just going to amplify this experience. Get ready to cry. Usually when you hear James Newton Howard scoring something, it's going to be emotional. And a story about the life of George Lucas, I can't wait. Now, part of me is like... What else is there about George Lucas that I do not know that I could be informed about? Well, the answer is probably nothing. But still, <laughs> there was a book, uh, the biography, A Life of George Lucas, that came out a couple of years ago that I did get. And I hope it's loosely based on the things that were touched on in that book because he has an amazing life. It's amazing to see how many times the world was so close to not getting anything that was Star Wars because of the challenges he had to go through, both personal, professional, and everything else. It's a, he has a great story to tell. I can't wait for the show. We don't know when it's coming out, but it's coming, hopefully this year. It'll probably be announced uh, in a few months or something like that. Now, the other show that is said to be coming out to Disney Plus is another docu-series, and this one is actually about Boba Fett. So as part of a press release for Disney+, Plus, Disney has unveiled that a new documentary special about Boba Fett will be arriving as part of a deluge of content hitting the up-and-coming streaming service. Now, I don't know why they phrased it that way. Disney+, Plus is not an up-and-coming streaming service. But if you all remember, last year in November, I think it was, Disney Plus had an Investor's Day where they announced a good majority of all the new Star Wars stuff that was coming out. And it looks like they're gearing up to start to do that again this year, probably happening in November. But it looks like one of those announcements is the fact that they're doing a Boba Fett documentary special. 
probably about the making of him, the evolution of the character, how he became so popular with the fan base, even though he was never really in the original movies at all, except for like what I think he had four lines in the original series, original trilogy. But yeah, so this is something exciting to look forward to as well. We don't know who's directing this one. We don't know who's scoring this one. Who knows? It could still be Lawrence Kasdan doing that as well. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, John Favreau is producing it. I don't know that for a fact, but probably John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez because they're both obsessed with Boba Fett. And it would make sense. They're doing a whole show on him, the book of Boba Fett, which I know a lot of people are excited about too. So we have those to look forward to. The George Lucas documentary series coming later this year, which high on my bucket list, cannot wait. And then of course, the book of Boba Fett documentary series as well. And you know, this is probably the start of many. I feel like we're about to get tons because if there's anything Disney loves to do, it's documentary style stuff. They love that. The behind the scenes stuff, inside the magic, as they call it. I mean, have you been to Disney Plus at all? It's all like costume shops. It's all set design. It's it's documentaries about how they made movies. That's a good majority of the crap that's on Disney Plus, which is just fine. But every once in a while, we do need narrative stuff as well. You know, I think because they have National Geographic, they have more access to documentary and archival stuff. But Anyway, we have that to look forward to. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So anyway, let's talk about my tale from Galaxy's Edge. So me and Chris went on Saturday last week. No, we went on Sunday. And we had a fantastic time. And last time I went to Galaxy's Edge... The Rise of Resistance was not open yet, which I was really disappointed about. But they did have the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. That one was open, so we did that one. And to be honest with you, lackluster. And we tried it again this time, the Smuggler's Run Millennium Falcon ride. I'm going to be honest, I don't enjoy that ride. It's, It's really not a good experience for me. I mean, there's, it's not really dynamic. And the screen, the the cockpit that you look out of in the Millennium Falcon, it's hard to see. It's hard to see anything. Because one, you have five people sitting in front of you. And we all know the Falcon, it has like this, it goes down to a narrow point. So your your point of view gets more constructed as you look farther away. So it's hard to see anything that's going on around you. And when you're put into the cockpit, you're put in there with six people total there's two pilots two gunners and two engineers so only two people get to fly this damn thing and two people get to shoot the guns it's not really that immersive so if you want to do if you got placed in the engineer spot which i did twice my first trip to galaxy's edge i got put in the engineer seat which i was like oh it's okay i'm just here for the you know first time whatever but the second time i also got put back in the engineer seat the engineer spot on the Millennium Falcon ride is the worst seat you can be in. If any of you go to Galaxy's Edge, do not like request that you do not get the engineer seat. Please. It's so dumb. I think you're required to push three buttons for the whole duration of the ride, and that's it. Meanwhile, you get to watch the people in front of you shoot down TIE fighters and fly the Millennium Falcon, and it's just like, I wish I could do that. But regardless, this was still, regardless of how much I didn't like Smuggler's Run, Millennium Falcon, Roller Coaster, whatever you want to call it, this was still the best trip to Disneyland yet. And Star Wars has one of the greatest rides out of any theme park I've ever been to. And it was the Rise of Resistance. The Rise of Resistance ride is one of the greatest rides ever, period. It is totally immersive. It's surreal. And the mechanics of it is like state-of-the-art stuff. The design is beautiful. I really felt like I was stepping into the movie. I don't feel that way when I walk into Batu. That's what they're calling Galaxy's Edge, this little town. I don't feel like I'm stepping into Star Wars, 
But when you get on the rise of resistance ride, it really does feel that way. And I'm going to share with you some clips from the ride. Now, if any of you, I know not everyone can go to rise of resistance right now. If for some reason you don't want a spoiler, I understand, but look away from the screen while I play these videos. I'm only playing a couple and I will share my full experience in a standalone video sometime later, probably over the weekend or something. But it's a great ride. Let me show you just a clip from the ride itself and show you how immersive this thing actually is. Did it work? Good. Now get on. There's a clear path to the turbo list at the end of the hallway. Turn right. Did you see those AT-ATs? That was insane. Life-size AT-ATs or AT-ATs, whatever the hell you want to call it, in the hangar of the um, First Order ship that you're on. And it's so great. It's so amazing. The basic premise of this ride is that you are a member of the Resistance and you go into, you go into the, you get captured by the First Order. Kylo Ren captures you and you manage to escape because Finn helps you break out. And then while you're breaking out, Kylo Ren is chasing you through the ship while you're trying to escape. And it's freaking incredible. And I know a video doesn't really speak to the volumes that it does to actually experience it for yourself, but it's really, really cool. And it's really good. And I'm sorry the quality isn't quite coming through in the video, but I have one more video clip to show you from the ride itself. And this is actually a scene from when Kylo Ren is chasing you through the ship. And check this out. Oh my God. So yeah, that's another clip from when Kylo Ren is chasing you and you're making your way through the ship. I'm going to have more videos to share because I videoed the entire ride, um, which I probably shouldn't have done because I should have just enjoyed it like without videoing and just take take it all in. But I had to. It was so great. And um, uh, it was a great ride. But I'll, I'll share more of that later. I'm going to make like a, a vlog clip, put it on YouTube as a standalone video and you'll see it there. But that, that's the basic of, of the ride. It, it's, um, it's honestly the best ride I've ever been. It, it, was, it was so great. And I think part of the reason why I feel that way is because it is Star Wars. And I'm a little biased towards that. But it was wonderful. And we tried to do it again that day. But the thing is, with the Rise of Resistance ride and with the new Spider-Man ride, you have to, in advance, book yourself in the line, a, a virtual queue, as they call it, and... It just got overbooked by the end of the day. But we were lucky enough to be able to get on the ride, which apparently is really hard to do. We had to like prepare ourselves at like 7 a.m. Uh, while we were driving there and book the line. But we'll talk more about that later. But it was it was fantastic. Um, just look out for a clip of or a vi standalone video of our experience at Galaxy's Edge, and you'll get to see that there, too. Um, and if you saw at the top of the show, I showed you this instrument that I got, which I was playing a little bit of let's see if it so this is obviously one of the musical instruments from Tatooine uh the the jizz band yes the music that they play in that movie is called jizz um so I got that and while I was getting it I was kind of playing with the the actual notes because you can play actual notes on this too and yeah, yeah. So while I got it, um, I was asking the people some questions about it. And one of the guys working there actually gave me a little music lesson on how to play this um, Tatooine flute. So check this out. This is a clip of um, 
one of the guys showing me how to play this. So this one's almost based on number three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Good old Martine. Thank you, Martine, for showing me how to play the flute. And I will, one of my goals is, the only reason I got it is because I want to try and implement it into a song that I write. Um, Like one of my things I actually do for my music career and try and implement it in that. So maybe I will someday, maybe I won't. I don't know. That's, That's my goal. So we'll see. But on top of that, I also got tons of other cool stuff as well that I wanted to share with you. Like I said, we're not really talking about Star Wars news today. I'm just telling you about my trip. And then Sunday, we'll be back with the regular Han Talks first show. Uh, I do see there's some people watching, so I will check out the live chat real quickly. Um, Hello to everyone who's watching on Twitch and on YouTube. Welcome to the show. We got Robin. We have Eli. We have Rule Farm Boy, Sith Care Bear. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Um, I am happy to see you here. It's been a long, long time. Glad to be back. Um, Anyway, so there's also, I'll see what you guys are saying in the chat in a second here, but I I just want to show these things off real quick. So I guess the first thing I'll show you is, you know, Chris got me a little gift and I finished building it yesterday, but it's a Lego bust of Darth Vader. And it's like something like 900 pieces, but this is it. It took like two days to build. It's it was it was a lot. It was a lot. But I love it. And the goal is to definitely get more. So I got that one. Chris got me that. And then to get back at her, I got her one herself. So she isn't here to show you, but this is the one she got. Boba Fett, which is really cool. And the visor comes down too, which is pretty awesome. So we'll probably get more of these and then build them and then maybe put like them behind me on my camera here so that they can be in the background of the videos. Um, But those are the Legos that we got. And the other things I got were obviously the flute. I got some more Funkos and I got a new lightsaber. So let me show you the Funkos first. Because I honestly, I didn't even know that they made these Funkos. So I got really excited about it. Well, I knew they made this one. This is a Darth Maul one, so you can check that out. Uh, Darth Maul from the Clone Wars. I'm sorry. No, it is from the Clone Wars. Yeah, Darth Maul from the Clone Wars. And it's part of the Ahsoka and Bo-Katan collection. So maybe I'll get Bo-Katan next. We'll see. And these weren't purchased at Galaxy's Edge, by the way. So if you go to Galaxy's Edge and you're hoping to find Funkos, you won't. These were actually found at Frankincense, which is... Santa Ana, I don't know where it is, but it was it's a big, big toy shop. I found this, a Qui-Gon Jinn Tatooine Funko. Look at this thing. What? I didn't know they made this guy. So I think, if I remember correctly, we found this one for, I think it was like 12 bucks. I could be wrong, 12 or 15. And they also have a Force Ghost version of Qui-Gon Jinn which is odd because he hasn't been in forced ghost form yet. Well, he has in the Clone Wars, but live action, he has not. But if you want to buy a forced ghost Qui-Gon Jinn, those were like $400. $400 for a Funko. What? Now, apparently it's really rare and it looked really cool and I wanted it, but there were some Funkos there that were like, thousand dollars thirteen hundred dollars i don't remember what they were i should have taken pictures but anyway the last funko pop that i got which is um actually the one i'm most excited about it's of my favorite jedi character i didn't even know they made this one if any of you watching live know who my favorite is my favorite jedi let's see if you can guess it before i show you who this is so go ahead in the comments section what Funko do you think I got of my favorite Jedi? I'll give you a hint. I have their lightsaber. And an action figure. 
<laughs> and some other stuff by him. Doesn't look like anyone is guessing it, so I'm just going to show it. Oh, quite Rural Farm Boy says that the Qui-Gon was in Force Ghost form in the certain point of view book. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Which one? Um, was it the A New Hope one? I have the books, I just haven't read it. How sad is that? <laughs> anyway, it's Mace Windu. A Mace Windu Funko Pop. I had no idea they made this. This is awesome. I'm going to have a whole Mace Windu shrine one day, and it's just going to be filled with this little guy. So that's really cool, too. But anyway, those were the Funkos that I got. And you can you better believe I'm going to buy more. They're just so damn addictive and so cute. Um, but that was that. So the, the highlight, the highlight collectible that I got was my lightsaber. Now, when I got there, they were actually running low on sabers. They didn't have many, understandably so. But if you, if you guys remember, the first time I went, I got Mace Windu's lightsaber. And that is still my favorite one with the, the gold plating on it. But this time I decided to go Sith. So I got myself Darth Vader's lightsaber. I haven't taken the stickers off yet, so it looks a little rough. But this is it. Pretty cool, huh? It sounds great, too. It looks great in the dark, obviously red, um, but this is a uh, this is my new one. And to be honest with you, it wasn't my first pick. I honestly wanted either Emperor Palpatine's or Count Dooku or someone else's, but this was like the only one they had for like the dark side people. They had Maul, but Maul's lightsaber is kind of boring, to be honest with you. <laughs> and um, it was also very expensive. So this is the one I got, and then Chris got Ahsoka's, so, which means she got two, and she got a fantastic deal. She got two lightsabers, essentially, for the price of one. I think it was like, you know, 200 bucks or something. This one was like 130 and then, of course, like all of them, they come with the case. So, I don't know if you can see that, and then you open it, and it just sits in there all pretty, like, so... There's that as well. And the quality of these are great. You know, that's one of the things I was worried about when I first purchased my other lightsaber was the quality going to be there. And I know you can go to Galaxy's Edge and you can build your own saber. I still haven't done that. I feel like that's not, I feel like it's a good experience, but I feel like it's not quality material for your lightsaber. And if I want a lightsaber, I want it to be one of the characters. I want it to be someone I know and something I've seen in the movies before and can relate with. So that's really cool too. But uh, I really wanted Luke's and they didn't have it or Anakin's, whatever you want to call it. They did have the Ray version of it, which is when it's like glued back together with the little strap in the middle. But I didn't really want that. I wanted the original Luke Skywalker one and Ray's lightsaber looked really cool as well. Um, the one that was made from her staff. Uh, the one thing about it I wish it did do was I wish it twisted to turn it on, but that wasn't an option. So that would have been really cool. And the other one that I wanted was, or the one that Chris wanted was Leia's saber, which they didn't have as well, but they do make it. So hopefully maybe we can go back sometime and see it, but the lightsabers go really fast. So it's hard to get your hands on them. And then whenever Chris is over here next, or whenever we can get her on the show again, She'll show you her lightsabers, the Ahsoka ones. They change color, too, which is really cool. So you get it blue and green, not white, which is when you think Ahsoka, you think white. So maybe someday we'll get that. But anyway, that's our that's what I got from from uh, from Galaxy's Edge. And I'm going to take a look at the chat really quickly, and then we're going to call it a day because I have some things to do. This 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 episode, this podcast was just for me to get back in the swing of things understand how uh just to remember what it was like to stream and podcast again uh get my feet up and going uh before we start the show on sunday so if you don't want to stick around for the rest of the show i get it i'm just going to talk to you guys a little bit but we will be back on sunday at 10 a.m to talk more star wars officially all the news some topics things like that and we'll have our first show back this weekend so thank you guys so much for joining us today so um 
going to see what you guys are saying in the chat here. So Robin says, R-O-T-R is stunning. Rise of the Resistance is stunning. Yes, it is. Engineers are made to be distracted from the screen, too, because of the button mashing. I'm sorry. I don't know what that means. Uh, Rural Farm Boy says, will likely be a long time before I'm able to go to Batu. I think that's the case for a lot of people. I mean, the only reason I'm able to go is because I live an hour away. Not even. If I leave in the morning, it's only like 35 minutes away. And um, tickets were really cheap right now. I don't know why, but we got a fantastic deal on it. So, But hey, you'll get to go soon, and it'll be great. Don't worry, Rule. Eli says, I wish it were more like the new Spidey ride. What? What? I wish... The Spider-Man ride was more like Rise of Resistance. Spider-Man ride was great. The AR technology was, or the LiDAR technology was fantastic. But, uh, I don't know. The Spider-Man ride, I feel like it could have been done a little bit better. It was hyped up so much. I thought it it was fun. It was still good. It was a good experience. I loved it. But um, the thing is, it's the exact same ride as the Toy Story ride at California Adventure. It's the exact same ride. Except in Toy Story, you don't shoot web out of your hands. You shoot it out of your butt. I'm kidding. But it was okay. I think the the technology was really, really cool to see and to use, which I'd never done anything like that before with LiDAR. But uh, Spider-Man was cool. Don't don't worry. But I think Rise of Resistance was so much better. I I really do. Uh, Sith Care Bear. He made it. He made it, everybody. Welcome, Josh. Good to see you again, my friend. Uh, still glad you're back. How was the trip? It was great. It's fantastic. I've also been working a lot, so that's why I've been missing in action for a little bit. But um, I'm done. I'm done working right now. So taking a break. Taking a little break. Uh, Rural Farm Boy says I got a I got a cue for I got a cue Yuria. I got a cue Yuria. I think it means I got a question for you. Does seeing other folks there on Batu in modern Earth clothes take you out of feeling like it's real? Um, I think this is in regards to the comment I made about when I step into Batu, I don't feel like I'm in Star Wars. And it's not the people. Um, there, there's many factors. One factor is um, I don't see anything familiar. You know, when they announced the Star Wars hotel was coming and they showed us pictures and things you could do there and crap like that, it didn't look like Star Wars. Now, I get if you want to try something new, but you still have to embrace some of the things that we all are familiar with and know and love. And when I step into Batuu, what, I see the Falcon? And that's about it as far as set pieces go. I see the Falcon. I see an X-Wing, but it's not even a regular X-Wing. It's a, it's a modern X-Wing from the sequel era, which is fine, which is fine. But I think... It's too, it's too much like sequel era, which is fine, uh, totally. But I, I want, you have to embrace all the eras of Star Wars. You have to embrace the prequels and the original trilogy because that's what made Star Wars today. And just show me, they had Tatooine's or Luke Skywalker's speeder from A New Hope, but it's like hidden in the background. And they have some droids and stuff like that, but you don't see R2-D2. Why don't you see R2-D2? One thing I told Chris while we were walking around was how sick would it be? Because they have stormtroopers walking around. They have Kylo. They have Rey walking around. But they're the, they're the new stormtroopers. They're the sequel trilogy stormtroopers. And uh, Rey and Kylo, they're the new people. But where is Darth Vader? Where is Luke? Where is, where is everyone that we like know, like legacy characters and stuff? And one thing I told Chris was how sick would it be if they had R2-D2 and C-3PO walking around Batu, and you could get pictures with them. Like they have a remote control R2 rolling through the streets and a little, a really tiny skinny guy in a C-3PO suit walking around talking to people. That would be incredible. Things like that. Have some mouse droids going through the, the streets too. You know, things like that. Sabine, put Sabine in there. That would be sick as well. It's just... They put the original trilogy stuff for some reason on the other side of the park and they like differentiate themselves from each other. And I think they should embrace a little bit more of everything. Have Yoda in the park, you know, 
there's there really wasn't that many characters. You know, when you go to Avengers Campus on the other side of Disney, you see every every Marvel character. You see all of them. You see Spider Man. You see Thor. You see you see freaking Ant Man. You see everybody. And when I'm in Batu, I really don't see anything. Another reason is if you tell the employees at Galaxy's Edge, "May the Force be with you," they they don't say it back. They don't say it back. Why? Why don't you say it back? That's like the thing. Um, but I will say this: this trip to Galaxy's Edge was the first time ever someone has said, "May the Force be with you," and that was from Ray. And I'll share that video sometime later as well. But um, maybe it's a thing where only the character actors can say, "May the Force be with you." But still, it's like you know that's like the thing of Star Wars. And by the way, they are bringing back the term younglings. Remember when they had people thought they banned saying younglings at Star Wars at Disneyland? Well, they're saying them again because someone at the park said, uh, "Be careful of younglings putting their mouth on things or something like that." Like the, when I was buying the when I was buying the flute, and I was like. Hey, how many people like touch this and put their hands all over it? And they were like, if I ever see a youngling put their mouth on that, I'm going to throw it away. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, I hope that answered your question, farm boy. Um, and it, re- it really sounds like I don't, I didn't like my time there. I did. I really did. I just, I'm kind of just giving my, my opinion on the overall feeling when you step in there. Eli says, hi, hi. City of Industry. I don't know what uh, City of Industry is. Uh, I was never there, but it's only open three days. Okay, I read that one. So good to have you back. Robin, it's good to have you all the time. So Care Bear says, have you been watching Visions? Yeah, at the top of the show, I talked about my experience with Visions so far. I've only watched four episodes. I've watched two in, in Japanese and two in English. Um, me and Chris are going to try and finish it soon and do a review later. Um, but I haven't given a full review yet. Um, but so far so good. It's fun. It's, uh, it's like, how would you say casual viewing? It's fun. Casual viewing, uh, would be cool to have a remote R2 zoom around. They would fit too, because R2 and 3PO are in all the trilogies. They are, they're in everything. They're in everything except for solo which is kind of sad they should have been in that movie would be cool if they also brought mandalorian characters into the galaxy oh my god think about it so there's a spot in batu where there's this giant furnace that's cooking meat i think it's like a bantha and you can eat bantha meat but how sick would it be if they turn that into the forge from the mandalorian and they have the armorer there forging things for you to purchase and you could buy like a, a, um, a Beskar spear or you could buy Beskar armor. That's another thing too, Robin. They don't have anything Mandalorian there. I mean, yeah, they got Baby Yoda merch and stuff like that. But there's no, there's no Mando walking around. Wow. You know what? We're all of us, Hontok's first crew. We're going to go um, apply to work at Disney for the Imagineers of Galaxy's Edge. We're going to fix the park. We're going to fix the park. We're going to fix the hotel. We're going to do it. We're going to do everything. It's going to be great. Robin says, I get they want a temporal consistency at Batu, but Avengers Campus has Agatha as a witch right now. Also, if they want, they can just have time travel, LOL. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, uh, I, I think the Avengers Campus really felt like I was stepping onto Avengers Campus. And I really felt like I was stepping into the world. Even in the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which is a gutted version of the Tower of Terror, which shouldn't feel like you're stepping into a new realm. It does. And it worked. And I just think Batu could do a little better. I mean, no one knows what Batu is. Batu is from a book. Batu is a, a, a town in a book that no one has read. <laughs> and... When they first made it and they said it was going to be the resting place for the Millennium Falcon, everyone thought, oh, that's how they're going to end the sequel trilogy with the Millennium Falcon being rested at Batuu. But they didn't even do that. That would have been cool, you know. 
I will say the ride, Rise of Resistance, makes being at that park a little bit better because it it incorporates it into the ride and the storytelling. So that was cool. I don't know. Rise of Resistance really changed my perspective on this park. I, I love it so much more. I want to go back and do that ride. Oh, Eli says it's the Frank and Sons place is in the city of industry. Thank you. What a terrible name for a town. City of industry. Maybe that's just a district. I don't know. But yeah, that's that's really it. I, I see that's kind of it from the YouTube side of things. I can't view the Twitch stream at the moment. So I don't know if anyone is sending in thoughts over there. But I have to call it for today because I have run out of time and I have some things to do later. But like I said, we'll be back with the real episode of Han Talks First on Sunday at 10 a.m. We're going to be talking about a great, a lot of great things. What are we talking about? Let me see. Let me give you a little preview of what we're talking about here. Sunday show. Okay, so we're Book of Boba Fett. We're talking about some news there. Uh, a new Star Wars video game that was not announced but leaked along with a script for it, which I have read. And Knights of the Old Republic news. We all know they dropped a trailer, but you didn't get to hear my thoughts on it or my thoughts on the game itself that's coming. Also, news on Obi-Wan Kenobi. We all know, you all know that I love to freaking talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi whenever I get the freaking chance. So we're going to talk about that. And then also Mandalorian won a bunch of Emmys. We'll congratulate them for, and we'll talk about each discipline that they won and some other things coming down the pipe as well. And other things to talk about, I'm not going to waste your time today telling you what we're going to talk about. I'm just going to show you. So anyway, that was it for today. We'll also, you know, if you haven't watched Visions, go check it out so you can join us in the conversation on Sunday. And they're really short, so it doesn't take up too much time, but go check those out. It's good to be back. Hopefully, Sunday stream will be a little bit better, a little bit easier to navigate. I kind of forgot how to use this stuff in three weeks. So anyway, thank you guys so much for being here. We'll be back very soon, and I hope to see you on Sunday. And now, my friends, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.